Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I am your host, one of your hosts, Dr. Daniel A. Franz, more casually known as Dr. Dan, with my good friend, colleague, and cohort, Rabbi Dr. B. Halevi. Good listener, I'll have you know this. You know, I've been working with B for two years now, and uh, we all thought, for those of you that listened for a long time and watched on YouTube, you would think B stood for Baruch. But if you look today, hop on YouTube, check it out. B, my friends, actually stands for Dr. Rabbi Babyface Halevi. You've got to see this face. I mean, B, you went to San Diego last week. You come back looking 10 years younger. Apparently, the Cali son did something for you. You know, my kid just told me that the B stands for big nose because he hadn't <laughs> seen it since uh, I shaved. And uh, he told me, you need to grow that thing back. So, you know, I'm getting mixed messages here, Brother Dan. Mixed messages. Well, well, because this, the kid says grow it back. And I'm saying baby face was looking good on you here. I put a sweatshirt on today just to try to look a little bit younger. But with the uh, the gray beard, I, I'm feeling 10 years older. So, well, honestly, that's probably a segue. You know, after going to San Diego and basking in the uh, beautiful sun, I come back here to Denver, Colorado, and there's beautiful sun. But damn, it's cold and it feels like January is dragging on. I, uh, I feel you. I felt that. I'm feeling that. Uh, and I talked to a lot of clients about that, right? Like, you know, January in, in the Midwest, um, much like Denver, is gray, wet, rainy. Uh, I was driving in the Chicagoland area over the weekend, and I was reminded uh, the area I grew up in. I'm like, man, I forgot how much I hate, like literally hate January because it's not just white snow, but it's that dirty white snow, most of it. By then, as you're traveling, is gray and black, and it's just, it's gross, and we're all feeling it. And then you take that and you add it to, uh, to life, right? Life comes at you, and it's a recipe. Some days, I don't know about you, bud, but some days it's hard to go on, man. I just feel like, what's the flipping point? And that's, uh, you know, I'm a logotherapist. I can't feel that way. Well, not to go too dark too quickly. Usually we talk about your, you know, uh, cardigan sweaters and fun things to get to get rolling. But since you're not wearing one and we're talking about sort of the uh, seasonal affective disorder, um, I think of the words of Viktor Frankl, who probably didn't win any friends and influence people with this question he would ask. But he would start out his conversations with his patients saying, why have you not killed yourself? Mm hmm. Right. And that is like jarring. I can imagine a bunch of, uh, you know, interns doing their uh, medical internship as psychiatrists and being shocked and horrified that Dr. Frankel could ask such a thing. Right. That's not in the DSM manual behind us. So so what was he asking? What was he getting at? Was he just the buzzkill or was there a method to the madness of that question? Well, of course, there was a method. Right. He He is trying to shock us into. Uh, awareness of well, why haven't you why are you going on what keeps you going and you know i mean look in in january where you and i live some days it's hard to find some good things there yeah you got to dig deep some days um but 
you know, some days you just might be too tired to dig deep and feel like, ugh, why? Why haven't I? Right? Well, there's a lot of good reasons, right? That's a good question to go with. But that's, I think that's a deep, dark question. What about just days when you're like, ugh, I don't want to do anything. Well, it's, it's, it's not, though it's not deep and dark, or maybe it's deep, but it's not dark because if you think about it, he's not suggesting, hey, you know, like, I can't help you. <laughs> good luck. Um, right. What he's saying is, you're here that much I know. That's all I know about you. You're, you're still alive. You have chosen, you have, you have luckily stayed alive and you have chosen to stay alive. So tell me about that because there must be something there we can build on. And then, so that isn't dark. That is actually positive psychology. That's find the gratitude stepping stones and step and step and step and step. And I guess, you know, that's what I'm hearing in our conversation when I'm looking out the kind of dreary window right? Find the stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, you know, I, you know, last week I reported on, on uh, the meaning project podcast that, you know, I was in some dark times, some difficult times. And I mean, with you being gone, I mean, how much more dark could my life get? Um, and it, it was interesting, like the thing for me, and, and this is, you know, right out of logotherapy and Dr. Frankel's work, going to work and helping people. Right. And, and again, you and I have talked about this many times before. We are blessed that our job is about helping people. But the point being, uh, when you're in your dark times, reaching out to help others can certainly help you. That's why I do believe Dr. Frankel called it height psychology is in sort of counterdistinction to uh, Jungian depth psychology. Look, I like diving deep into the darkness and getting in the shadows and all of that stuff. But... I do believe that if there is an inspirational um, form of psychology or psychotherapy out there, it is Franklinian. It is logotherapy. It is this work we do. I, I see, you know, why he would want to lift somebody's sights because we naturally can kind of dig into some of the shadows and the darkness. We need help sort of lifting our, our gaze, especially when it's you know dreary outside. Yeah, I, I think I've shared. I'm preparing to do some uh, courses in Jungian study, and I tell you what, man, just looking at some of the uh, the uh, images for the, the the covers of the uh, uh, courses, man, that's some dark stuff. But um, when we talk about Frankl, when we talk about height psychology, something you brought up: stepping stones, right? Find the stepping stones. Why haven't you committed suicide yet? Okay, what are some of those stepping stones? We we talked about self transcendence, helping people. What else can you do in these days when you feel like this? Well, you know, again, I do think self-transcendence is, is even bigger than helping people. It's, I, I see it with, you know, as you know, I work in the Enneagram and certain Enneagram types are self-referencing. They're natural. It's not bad. It's not that they're selfish. It's just that their natural movement is inwards, right? And they have to force themselves to go outwards. That can be just as simple as literally going outside. Like I work with some people, Enneagram fives and other withdrawing types and everything around you in the winter says hibernate, pull back, disappear. So just getting out of the house, right? That can be an act of self, literally of self transcendence. So yeah, it can be volunteering at your, you know, local, uh, whatever humane society, but it can also just be literally going outside. Yeah, and we talk about that a lot. Getting outside, getting into nature can be good for you. Just getting out of the house, getting out of the environment that you're in on a day-to-day -day basis can be very empowering. But then even choosing to do something enjoyable with that time, 
right? That could be a great stepping stone to get out and to get away and to get a change of uh, scenery can be very empowering. So it's about, you know, the, the energy for me, I see things in terms of energy and it's this energy of winters, everything is pulling you inside and that dormant and that, and then honoring it. I got to think there's a beautiful piece of honoring being quiet and contemplative and sitting by the fire and writing, but then also defying it, right? That's that defiant spirit and really just being honest about it's a slippery slope too. Like, you know, you can talk yourself into anything and no, it's you know time for me to be more contemplative and not go to that party and not go do that thing that I was invited to do. And so really challenging yourself, is this dormant and has a purpose or am I withdrawing and am I hiding? And so, and so really being honest about where you are right now. Okay. So, so that covers the, the, the hibernation feeling of January in the Midwest and in the mountain region. But what about just when you feel like life is piling up on you and you just can't take anymore? Well, um, it was a Dr. Frankel talks about in one of his books, the, you know, I lived in Israel for a long time and that you see lots of arches, Roman arches. And when the arches are starting to deteriorate, you would think, you know, there's no salvaging them. But what he says is, and what they do is they put more weight on the arch because they need it to um, strengthen by that, that burden, right? That's how you reinforce the arch. And I think that's what we're talking about here, right? It's reframing your arch, not as these things are a distraction or a deterrent. These are actually, in some ways, blessings. And that's going to sound rough if somebody's saying, hey, man, I got a lot of burden. So yeah. how, is, how is it a blessing, Dr. D? Uh, hey, man, I'm asking you, because there are days I just feel like I'm, I've had my fill, man. You know, too much going on. And you're saying, all right, so you feel like you got too much going on. You feel like there's a lot of burden going on. And you want me to take on more, B? I've got some words I could say to you that I, you know, would cause us to hit the explicit button when we put this on YouTube. But no, I don't want any more burden. Are you kidding me? Well, when I used to visit, when I was a rabbi and I used to make my rounds at nursing homes, I would see that these are people who needed more burden on their arch. Mm. Sitting in front of a TV for eight hours watching Matlock is not is not a burden, a, a blessing with uh, absence of burdens, right? So be careful what you wish for. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we can handle everything and there are times when it's too much, but maybe it's just about reframing the burden. I love that idea of reframing the burden, right? Looking at, hey, uh, you know, sometimes what we consider to be burdens, other people would consider to be blessings, right? That, you know, uh, we've talked before that we truly live in the uh, 1% of the world and that these struggles we have can often, you know, if we reframe them in, in that, you know, sense, like, yeah, we're doing okay. It's not so bad. Yeah. And also it gives us some structure. You know, when I'm, when I have an entire day in front of me to write, I love to write. It's hard to write. When I have two hours in the morning from five to seven and the clock is ticking, I write like the wind. Mm -hmm. So that burden isn't necessarily an, an obstacle to your creative expression, right? In some ways it gives you that needed constraint to find that expression. Well, and I would even offer, if we look at the MBTI, you would definitely be an MBTI P uh, at the end there, your fourth letter in, uh, you know, 
liking options and uh, p often is associated with we don't like using the word procrastination but it is somebody that gets that energy of the last minute right like if you only have a finite amount or a finite amount of time man there's that pressure to get it done where those of us that like to take our time and plan a little bit more the, the j's in the group like yeah we don't we don't want that energy but I, I can relate to you in some ways that yeah if you you know the idea that frankel tells us this goes back to the idea of the tragic triad pain guilt and death when we recognize we have a finite amount of time in our day and in our lives it really does force us to step back and reframe and be like man i got to get something done here there's there's a unique task life is asking me to complete and uh i got to get on it so so really it's about reframing the burden because you know when i work with especially guys who are single i don't care what age they are one of the challenges they have is they don't have enough burden in their life. They have too much me time. And so one of the first things I'll, I'll insist that they do is find a, a, a you time, a they time, somebody else's time. I just talked with a guy who's now going to start walking dogs um, at the Humane Society, um, visiting nurse people in the nursing home, like I mentioned before, whatever it is. Because if you have all of that time or all of that self, it's it's really hard to find that creative tension. And that's the part of that self-transcendence. Get beyond yourself. Give some of yourself away. Now, you got to be careful with that. But still, I think that that's a very important piece of, of uh, you know, defying some of this, this darkness. Yeah. As, as I was saying earlier, you know, self-transcendence can be as simple as helping, but as Dr. Frankel tells us, it really is, like you said, giving yourself over to something or somebody greater than yourself, right? A cause, a person. And when you're single, you may not have that person, that, that, that one person you want to give yourself to, but you can certainly find people that you can give yourself to, causes that you can give yourself to, dog walking. I was just listening, or no, I was on the podcast, or I was reading a book, but it was about a guy who's just made a ton of money. He's super successful. He's the CEO. Like, he's just at the top of his world, and he's not finding a lot of meaning. And he was at the grocery store, and this little old lady asked if she, uh, he could help her find something. And, you know, he wasn't sure if he thought he looked like he worked there or not. And his first reaction was, I'm a CEO of a company. Like, I, blah, blah, blah. And he decided he's going to put that ego aside and he's just going to help. And they, he spent like 10 minutes, I don't know, finding the buttermilk biscuit, you know, box at the top of the what, third aisle down the road. Anyways, it took him a long time. And he said at the end of the week, that was the highlight of his week. Mm -hmm. After a power week of, you know, doing deals and bossing people around, that was the highlight of his week. And I thought there, there it is. Self-transcendence. You know, it's interesting. I have a very similar story of a, a client, uh, probably 10 years ago, I, I worked with very intensely, who still comes back occasionally, um, had had really done it in business, did well, was was achieving and felt good about where his business was. So good that the business didn't really need him anymore, right? He had hired the right people, put the right people in place, and he could just sit back and watch it work and do well. Uh, his kids were all grown up and, and vastly successful, doing great things in different ways, want to and achieve architect and engineer another just a, a great creative and uh you know everything was great except it was boring he had nothing more to do and uh, unfortunately for him that's when he found alcohol and for the first time he had found alcohol at maybe 55 years old and he found it hard we're talking a, a half gallon of vodka and a half gallon of 150 proof bacardi rum 
every weekend. Uh, and then it was, uh, it got to be bad. And then when he realized, wow, I need something to do. I need a cause to give myself over to. It's been amazing to watch people he's helped with his experience and his resources and things like that. And, uh, well, it's not a, a gallon of alcohol every weekend anymore. Yeah. A teacher of mine called that, um, the void dance, avoidance, a void dance, a dance around the void. And, and I feel like that's, you know, if you look outside and it's gray or you look at your life, your kids are gone, their empty nest or whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's, it's the void dance as opposed to stopping the void dance, stopping, avoiding it. Right. And just go into it, face it, look at it. That That's, I mean, that's Jungian, that's depth psychology. Dude, did you just play a word trick on us? Avoid dance. I love that that's got to be some kind of art there man like Not i know mine. we didn't get the, what is the uh, uh latin root of avoidance or avoid yeah no i'd like that's <laughs> that's really cool avoid dance yeah and i think in our time today we can find so many voids so many existential vacuums to engage in when we're feeling feeling overwhelmed when we're feeling meaningless and the trick is to recognize that, that, that avoidance, that void. And like you said, find a way on nature abhors a vacuum. How do we fill that? What do we do that? We can fill it with more thumb exercises on the phone and, and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, or we can do something meaningful. Well, this is why the weekends, you know, in our culture are so hard sometimes if you don't have the dancing or right? if you don't have the doing, if you don't like you just recreate the weekday during the weekend of doing, doing, doing. I do. Right? I got to be very mindful not to do the dance of the void. How do you do that? So let's let's talk more about more stepping stones. How are you mindful not to turn your weekend into a weekday? I used to have it built in when I was observant and had the Sabbath Shabbat because we wouldn't use technology. We wouldn't use the phone. I don't have that anymore. But what I do have is my ability to choose some of that. So I'll put down my phone or my computer for chunks of time on the weekend, which does not happen during the weekdays. Um, and I'll force myself not to produce, not to create, not to. That's my it's it's my dancing. Right. And yeah, it's constructive. I'm not drinking a half, you know, gallon of Bacardi, but it's still destructive. My wife will tell me when she sees me doing the void dance and my, you know, laptop, she'll just walk over and she'll slam the laptop shut and say, you're doing the fucking void dance. Stop it. Right. And I've, I, I have met your lovely wife and that is a powerful woman. I would be terrified for her to slam my How many laptops you go through in a year, bud? It's my fingertips you got to worry about. I'm still hyper, man. <laughs> so uh, again, though, to, for our, uh, our our faithful listeners out there, what are the stepping stones that you use to fill the void? We, is this rhetorical or are we waiting for the No, break? man, I'm putting that one on you because, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I said it last week and, you know, things aren't great this week. I've you know got some things lined up the weekends ahead of us. I'll, I'll find some things to pull myself out of my avoid dance. But, you know, uh, and, and I'll share some of that. But what about you? What do you how do you if you're not creating amazing stuff for the Defiant Spirit and the Victor Frankl Media Academy, what are you doing? Um, for 25 years, I've been trying to meditate. It is 
that's why they call it a practice because I'm I am so far from mastery. I'm still such a novice practicing every it is the most humbling experience to get up and go sit again on the couch trying to quiet my noisy mind. It's like every day it's the same thing. Can I get 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes of just quiet? And so that is my number one way of dealing with my dance. As we said a few weeks ago, B, if J.J. McCarthy can do it, surely you can, if he can do it or in the stadium. But uh, I, I had the opportunity. Um, fans of, of, of all of our shows know that uh, we are huge fans of Ted Lasso. I had the opportunity to go see Roy Kent himself last weekend with my wife. Uh, Brett Goldstein performed, and uh, that's that's exactly what he said. He said, you know, when things get tough, um, you know, I'm really trying to do things better and do things healthier. You know, he's had this massive success with the Ted Lasso show. And he said, you know, he's picked up the practice of, of meditation. And he said, if by meditation, you mean spending 20 minutes quietly reminding yourself of all the horrible things you've done in the past week and what you failed at and why you, you know, aren't worth anything. He said, yeah, I've got that mastered. And I think that's for so many of us. We can we can spend that time rehashing, man, I should have done this better. I feel guilty about this. But it really is a practice of, of goodness and, and maybe even true silence to allow the, the mind to rest. Yeah, and it's, um, it was it uh, Blaise Pascal who said all of a man's problems could be solved if he could learn to sit quietly in an empty chamber, right? And that's, that's, a, that's work of a lifetime. So. Absolutely. I mean, we, we pay big monies in different places uh, throughout the country to go to uh, truly quiet rooms. What are they? The, uh, the sensory deprivation tanks of salt water and no sound and no light. Um, and people freak the hell out in these things, man. We are not, not good at silence and in darkness, um, but we need to get better at it. What about you? What are some of the things you do to uh, stop doing the void dance? Oh, man, I don't know dude i don't even want to do it right now but i know i need to right that's just kind of where i am um you know I, like i said I, I go and and i work i see people and i help people but that as you said i recognize that that's a void dance for me it's helpful it gets my mind off what's going on here well it's also a dangerous drug of choice because people reward that drug yeah yeah uh there's there's some good positives there and you know i make a couple bucks doing it so so uh yeah, I, I can't keep doing that, right? Because then then as a, as a psychotherapist, that's a recipe for burnout. What do I do? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out for a nice meal tonight. I'm going to see my brother and sister and their uh, wives and, and my, my dad. And, you know, I, we missed each other over the holidays. I'm just going to go uh, relax and have a nice meal. I think uh, I think there may actually be a massage on the on the calendar sometime in the next week or so. That's that's good. That is something I've uh, taken more seriously towards the end of last year when uh injury was slowing me down i you know uh, my physician said why don't you try to massage i'm like whatever and uh <laughs> the massage therapist as she was digging into my neck was like wow uh been a while since you've done something like this i'm like why she goes well that's kind of like steel that should not be that way i'm like what do you mean she goes you're a little tense so uh yeah i've been doing that more regularly uh you know the kids are gone so we do have an emptiness so it gives uh the lovely uh mrs dr dan and i an opportunity to to spend some quality time together uh and just figuring out what that means Here's a tool um, that's awesome. Here's a tool that I have literally in my pockets right now. I carry these around sometimes. 
Uh, it comes from a, an ancient Kabbalistic teaching, but you carry two pieces of paper in your pocket. And one says, the whole world was created just for me. It's an ancient text. And the other one says, I am but ashes and dust. And Mayor um, uh, Meir, former prime minister of Israel, said she used to carry these around with her because it would remind her that, you know, on the one, the one hand, we have power and we need to exercise it and do and accomplish and achieve. And on the other hand, we are but ashes and dust, humility, right? Yeah. And so trying to kind of regulate my dancing with this practice. And there's lots of practices like this. Well, and I think also the ashes and dust is a reminder of life's transitoriness and that, you know, even when we're struggling, when we're suffering, when we're feeling low, like there's a, there's a task out there for us to accomplish before the time's up. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we, uh, we started out with talking about sort of the dreary, weather and how it affects us and then we went into um, the fact that we haven't killed ourselves and then we <laughs> dug out of that dark deep hole as dr frank would want us to to get to the mountaintop right of height psychology of, of seeing the possibility and having tools and strategies and techniques to um you know to persevere to push on absolutely and and i would offer this right for those of you out there um, who are, are taking some solace in our recommendations, great. For those of you that feel like you've got it and, and you're doing well in this time of life, hey, connect with us on Facebook at the Victor Franco Meaning Academy. Send one of us an email. Let us know what you're doing. How do you, uh, you know, get pull yourself out? How do you climb the mountain to that height? Dude, I just gave you a softball and I thought you were going to actually hit it out of the park. You know, it was like a nice double, but um, I was setting you up to tell us about your search for meaning and how we can keep this perseverance going. You know, B, I was going to go into that, but I've done that so many times for us. I figured it was your time, man. You you have been, look, we've all been a huge driving creative force in this, but, you know, shine for a minute, brother. Tell us what uh, about your search for meaning. Well, we are launching it as you're listening to this. It'll probably be pretty close to the time um, sometime in February. What's the official launch date? Uh, early February. February 7th? Our first group. I mean, you can get on at any time right now. We have content available for you. But our first meeting is Wednesday. February 7th, noon Eastern. We'll have our first gathering of meaning seekers along with the three of us, be myself and please. So um, your search for meaning takes Dr. Frankel's seminal work, Man's Search for Meaning, and sort of breaks it down into not only a curriculum, but building on that through real life experiences and tools that you can use to do this work, to go up, to, to ascend the mountain, to... Um, to discover your search, your meaning, and do it in the context of a supportive group of, as Dr. Dan said, meaning seekers. And so we have curriculum online to support you doing your work, workbooks and, and whatnot. And then we have a gathering of meaning seekers, as Dan said, every other week, um, once during the day, once in the evening for us to support each other on the journey. As well as a beautifully crafted uh, community uh, uh, site. I don't even know what to call it. Um, 
much similar to a, a private Facebook group, but so much nicer and more robust and, and things to do there, complete with an app. Uh, we were just talking about it yesterday. This is a great opportunity to, to be social, but not in the usual social media platforms, right? Um, it, it's an opportunity to focus just on meaning and, and this group of meaning seekers. You get your own separate app, your own separate site that we go to on Thinkific to, to connect, to interact, and, and just to support each other, not confused with all the advertisements and frustrations and other stuff you may get on a Facebook uh, page. Yeah, when we ran a pilot of this few months back, um, one of the things I heard over and over again was it was refreshing just to get onto a call or be in a group of people who were having real conversations that weren't, you know, just presenting shiny Facebook polished versions of themselves, but digging deep. Yeah, so true. And, and I think the cool thing was like, we were all committed to being on there wherever we were, whenever the time was. And, you know, there were times I was here in the Dr. Dan studios. There are times I was on the road places. I remember, <laughs> I think you tried to pop in from a mountain once and, uh, you know, we, we got you in there for a while. So, and, and we're going to continue that kind of tradition of being present and being with you. And, and hopefully, you know, as a participant, you'll, you'll join us in that. And we've lowered the bar of entry. So it's just a very clear bar of entry it's uh fifty dollars a month for for now for a limited time where you can just go month to month to be a part of this community the first um i think 14 days are even complimentary so you can check it out and get a feel for it and get to meet some of your fellow meaning seekers but the bottom line is um we just want to build community and we want to build it with with you if you're listening to this you are part of our community already, so make it formal and uh, join Meaning Seekers. You can jump over to themeaningacademy.com. You can find it pretty easily, the uh, program page, your search for meaning, and everything you want to know is there. Yep, and if you have any issues finding it, please certainly contact either B or I or Dr. Elise. We are all available on themeaningacademy.com page, and we certainly look forward to working with you and interacting and chatting and supporting you in your search for meaning starting in just a few weeks. And our number one fan, The Running Man, asked us to keep it to 30 minutes because that's his uh, jogging cycle. And we are now at 29 minutes and 40 seconds, Running Man. You're welcome. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening. As always, get out there and live your life with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.